In Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 32, we saw this last week. We want to see it again this week. I'm ministering on some principles that are found within the kingdom, so by themselves, uh, they are individual messages, but when you keep them connected, they become even greater. And last week, we talked about the principle of kings, and you know Jesus is the king of kings. So I'm looking at royalty today. Amen. Because if you are in the body of Christ, or if you have confessed Christ as your Lord, then the Bible says you are peculiar people. Right? You can get around and say, man, you're a little peculiar. You're a little weird. That's okay. We are. God said we are. We're peculiar. What makes us peculiar? It's because we live in this world different. We're in a world we're not of. And so we're not limited to how the world operates. In fact, we have um, been raised up and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and have a vantage point now that is different from anyone who's not born again. Christ has given us his mind, and we can tap into the things of God. But we also recognize that he is the king of kings, so we are kings as well in the earth. Not only are we peculiar people, but we are a holy nation. We are royal priesthood. Amen? So you might as well get comfortable with calling yourself royalty, because you are. If you're in the household of God, royalty is who you are. It's what you were born into, amen, and he pulls us from all over the world into this great nation we're in called the kingdom of God, amen. So Jesus tells us here in Luke chapter 12 that um, his father has a great desire, and that is to give us the kingdom. He says, your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. That doesn't mean he's withheld it. That doesn't mean he's like, listen, guys, I got a kingdom for you, but you can't have it till you die. See, many people, when they hear the kingdom of God, they think it's heaven. But it's not heaven, and it's not limited to heaven. Amen. Because if it was limited to heaven, Jesus would be a liar. How do we know this? Because Jesus said, now when you pray, Kirk, pray this way. Our Father. Not his Father, but our Father. Not his Father, but our Father. Not his Father, but our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, which basically means who lives in heaven. Hallowed be your name or your name's holy. Your kingdom, your kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done on, on where? Where? Here. As it is in heaven. So the kingdom is not limited to the heaven realm. The kingdom manifests in the earth realm through us. Hallelujah. Amen. And he wants that kingdom to operate right now through you. Ultimately, he will physically manifest that kingdom, meaning he'll show up again. He'll have a rod of iron. He'll have his scepter of righteousness, right? He'll have his robe of majesty. He will come down and he will rule and reign on this planet for a thousand years. Then he'll take care of the devil. He'll judge everyone that never kneeled to him or acknowledged him as the Lord of their lives. He'll cast them into the place they want to go to, which is the lake of fire. And as a result of that, then he'll create a new heaven and a new earth, and we will be, him, be with him forever. And in that point, when you read Revelations 21 and 22, the last two chapters, all of a sudden that new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven to the earth, and we will be with the Lord. Can I get an amen? 
So to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'll be in heaven with him, but I'm not going to remain there. I'm coming back with him when he comes back. Hallelujah. And there's not any part of God's creation that he's going to leave undone. He will get it back in its original design. He doesn't say, well, planet Earth was just a test pilot, and it's all said and done. It won't even exist. No, planet Earth will exist. Planet Earth will be a new Earth. He'll take care of it. He'll restore it back to what it was originally created to do. Amen. And he even says this, all creation even cries out for its redemption and the revealing of the sons of God. Oh, man, are you a child of God today? So the Father has chosen gladly to give us his kingdom, and he says this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, which tells us right now in the earth, it looks different than how it's going to be. And so there are situations, circumstances in life that will try to create fear for you. But the Father in heaven says, don't be afraid. Why can you not be afraid? Because the kingdom's here. I said the kingdom's here. I said the kingdom's here. The kingdom is here with us today. If you take time to read the Bible, the Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. I just came from a global leadership conference down in Kissimmee, Florida, where there were pastors all over the world. We had a pastor from Vietnam, pastor from Cambodia, pastor from Trinidad, Tobago, pastor from um, um, St. Martin, St. Thomas. I mean, people from different parts of the globe all ca came upon the same place where we acknowledged the things of God. Amen. And the kingdom of God is operating. But while I was talking to some of them, I um, they were, they asked me for a thing we do here at Anchor Faith Church. They said, Pastor, we need your one-year Bible reading. Amen. Because when I told them, we do not assume that people actually read the Bible at church. If you are work on staff, you have to show that you've read the Bible and stayed with our one-year Bible reading plan. If you get in a layer of leadership, even if you're not paid by Anchor Faith Church because you are paid by the Lord, you have to read the Bible and show that I'm reading the Word. If we're not in the Word of God, we are no good for Him. We must be in God's Word. We must read it year after year because faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God, not from having heard. And God never wanted you to believe what's being spoken just because someone's saying it. He wants you to search the Scripture for yourself, to determine it so, get the Holy Ghost to say, yep, that's it, and then now you got it and you can live it. It's one this thing to say, oh, so-and-so got this by God. God can, but don't realize he will for you as well. Many people miss God's power, miraculous, supernatural uh, manifestations because they believe God does it for, can do it, does do it, but it's just happened to be for others and not you. Listen, he's not a respecter of person. What he'll do for one, he'll do for the other. He loves you. He cares about you, but he's limited based upon what you know. Because he said this, my people perish due to lack of knowledge. And if we aren't in the word of God, then we can't know. And so he's saying, listen, don't be afraid because I have a kingdom to give to you. And that kingdom is set on principles. Okay? Principles are this. They're moral rule or belief that helps you know what is right and wrong. And that influences your actions. So again, all of us are doing things based upon what we think is right. Now, sometimes we'll do things even what we think is wrong, which is justified. I know it's wrong, but... 
Well, immediately that justification means I have a right to do what's wrong because of this situation. Are you with me? The problem with that is, is that it's still wrong. Right now, it's one thing to know that it's wrong. And then at that point, you look for mercy for something to manifest so that you can actually have something or walk in something that may technically be not right. What do I mean? You go into the store, you're hungry, your kids are hungry, and you're like, I don't have any food and I need something. And so you want to go steal it. Now, you know it's wrong, but what do you justify? My kids are hungry. But instead of stealing, sometimes you need to go and just ask. You have not because you ask not. And sometimes God will put favor on your life if you're believing for with him. You don't have to resort to doing something wrong and somebody can grant mercy and what you would steal to feed your kids, all of a sudden they'll grant it to you freely and now you still get it without paying. That's what I mean. So again, principles is how we act in life based upon what's right and wrong, okay? And so these uh, actions are basic truth or theory. The problem is many people are living their lives off the theories of man instead of the truth of God's word. And listen, the theories of man sound really godly. I said the theories of man will sound really godly. This is why Jesus went to a whole bunch of religious people found in Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, and he said this, why do you forsake the commandments of God for the sake of your traditions? Now, he was talking to people who actually had the law, the law of Moses, what was the right thing to do, what was the wrong thing to do, but they started adding things to help take care of themselves. They started adding things so people would be dependent on them and not on God. And God's like, man, you wrong with the way you're doing things. You have absolutely ignored God's command so that you built my word off of your tradition and getting people to take care of you. And a lot of times, people, they just sound like a godly principle, but you understand in these last days, the Bible tells us there will be churches that raised up, will be raised up, that will have a form of godliness, but deny the transforming power of the Holy Ghost in the lives of people, and you need to not go to those churches. But here's the thing, you won't know if you're in one if you're not in the Word yourself. You'll be easily deceived when you do not have a habit of reading the Word. And listen, I'm not asking you to believe anything I say today because I say it. I ask you to search the scripture for yourself and determine it. Now, many of you aren't going to be taking notes today because many just listen and you'll miss a whole lot. I do encourage you to take notes, pull out your phone. I take notes on my my iPad. I'm always taking notes. I could preach right now every message I heard at the Global Leadership Conference. I got them right here on my iPad. I could shut my my message down today and I could just start preaching. Why? Because I'm a note taker. Because I realize I don't get it the first time. I need to go back, review, hear it again, say it again. Now, maybe you say, Pastor, I'm just going to go online and listen to it. Great. You can do that. You can download through our podcast or you can go onto YouTube TV and subscribe to our channel and watch it when it's released on Thursday. But you'll be waiting till Thursday to hear it again. Are you, you hearing what I'm saying? My point is, is that you want to get everything you can today because you want to continue to start meditating on it the minute you walk out. You don't want to forget about it for three days and then say, man, I was in a mess. Pastor said I could do something. What did he say? Amen. So again, you've got to become a studier of the word. The word of God will not do anything for you outside your own study. Somebody can pray for you, get something in you, but that will be limited. I said that will be limited. God does not continue to do for an individual that will not seek him. Jesus went by the pool of Bethesda. I was there in Israel this past year. Went by the pool of Bethesda and saw this man that had been lame for 38 years. He said, get up 
Yeah, he said, what are you doing? What do you want? The guy didn't even know it was Jesus. He said, well, I can't find anybody to take me down here to the pool and put me in because oh, angel stirs it every year, you understand, and the first one in gets healed. And for 38 years, I've been down here and couldn't get in first. Jesus said, take up your mat and go home. The guy's healed. Lame for 38 years. Now he's walking. God, Jesus heals him. He's walking, runs into some uh, Pharisees, and they're like, why are you carrying your mat on the Sabbath? You're doing work. You're wrong. So basically, they told him he was wrong. He said, look, I don't know. The guy that healed me of 38 years of being lame said, take it and carry it. Well, who is this guy? I have no idea. Jesus later on found him and said to him these words, go and sin no more so nothing worse will come on you. Now, if you're not going to sin anymore, you're going to have to learn what not to do and what to do. Because sin, simply put, is just disobeying God's word. And if you don't exercise what God is saying and get into your ears and into your spirit what God is saying, you're going to disobey God, and it would be on you that you lose a healing, not on the Lord. And many people have walked away not studying God's word, not spending any more time with God, and want somebody else to pray for them, do something again. And, and the Lord has mercy through the years. But the reality is he ultimately going to hold you responsible for your relationship with him, and he expects you to grow up and develop this kind of life. Amen. Aren't, don't you want a lifestyle that you're not limited to somebody else having to do it for you? Now, I'm not saying we don't need each other because we are the body of Christ. In no way, shape, or form am I preaching that you can live independent all by yourself as an individual and don't have to be around anybody else. It's just you and God, and it's good. That violates Scripture because we are a body. The hand cannot tell the foot, I don't need you. Are you with me? I don't need to go to church. I don't need a pastor. I don't need to show up. Yes, you do, because the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. In fact, there are things in the Word of God you'll never learn without the fivefold ministry equipping you for those things, period. You just won't learn them. You won't learn them. The best you'll ever be is just a Pharisee because you'll most likely interpret most of it wrong. But the reality is the Holy Ghost in you when the fivefold ministry is being released will help you discover who you are. And when you discover who you are, you'll realize how actually independent in one sense concerning your life that you are. Meaning nothing can control you but you. Now, how do we know this? Because of this kingdom principle. The kingdom principle is this we're going to talk about today, the kingdom domain principle. The domain of a king is the territory over which he exercises authority, control, and dominion. Okay? We said this last week, kingdoms are built upon concepts of legalities. That is not legalism. I'm not saying that. I'm saying legalities. And you want to thank God there's some legal things happening with God. God legally has a right to you. It's... Listen, if we read the word, Job is in a mess. Why is he in a mess? Because the devil went up and said to the Lord, have you considered my servant Job? That's what he said. He said, yeah, I've considered him. Why? Because he had some fear that he got in his life that opened the door for the devil to do something. And the devil had a right to do something because he had what Adam lost. And as a result of that, he brought some trouble. You know, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And you can't stop him from kill, killing, stealing, and destroying if you do not know your legal right to keep him out. It ain't no hoping he won't show up. 
You got to know your legal right of why he can't mess with you no more. Amen. So it's built upon legalities. There was a legal exchange that took place when the blood of Jesus fell. For the word of God says the wages of sin is death. It's separation from God. The first sin is when Adam ate the fruit God told him not to eat. He said, Adam, you can eat from any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day you eat, you will surely, you will surely. Now, he didn't quit breathing, but his spirit man became separate from God. Not only that, he, he, he changed positionally. No longer was he in the position that he was created to be in. We're going to talk about it here in a minute. He fell out of that position. So when God came in and said, where are you? He's not like, I can't find you. He was like, what position are you in now? When you decided to go against my word, because my word was bringing you life and liberty and provision, you didn't have to worry about anything, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. I had it all taken care of. We were co-laboring together while you were down here managing this area, and I'm upstairs managing mine. We're talking in the cool of the day, but now you decided you wanted to be call the shots. But he never got to call the shot. That was the only shot he got to call, because the minute he called that shot, he gave things to the devil, and devil said, I'll call the shots from now on. And he, we were legally bound. We're legally bound. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No man goes after God. No, not one. And no matter what you do to say, God, you should be impressed with me. I haven't done so much with the devil. I've done way more for you. You should recognize me. To him, it's still filthy rags. You have nothing to come to. No, somebody had to legally show up, legally pay the price of the wage of sin in order for us to get out of the mess we were in. So kingdoms are built on the concepts of legalities which extend to its citizens, offering them the rights and privileges that, that are guaranteed by the king. Let me read a couple of scriptures here, and then I think we may need to expound. In Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 and 35, seeing that, that Jesus, or the Lord, has dominion. He operates in a dominion principle. In fact, kingdom literally just means this, king domain, okay? King domain, all right? And again, a domain of a king is the territory over which he exercises authority, control, and dominion. Daniel 4, 34 to 35, the latter part of 34 says it this way, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? What does that mean? That means that the Lord, ultimately, his word, what he said would come to pass, will come to pass. Now, he's merciful. He's long-suffering. He knows things are happening in this earth. That's not his will. It's not his plan. Man is doing things that is not what he desired, and they are of their father, the devil, and they're acting like the devil, and they're operating, and they're living, and they're destroying, and their lives are being destroyed, and all he's doing is saying, listen, I've got a kingdom. It, it is in manifestation. You can be a part of it. I'm not going to make you, but I want you to be there, and I'm holding back. I'm holding back from showing up because when I come, there's going to come a day that no one else can come in. 
And so he's given you an opportunity to say his kingdom's the best way. His rulership's the best way. His love's the best way. Listen, he, when he is seated on his throne, he is a God of love. It is his nature. He's not trying to dominate you. He's trying to elevate you. That's what our king does. Listen, when we think of kings, typically in the natural, we think of subjects. But the kingdom of God has no subjects. There are none. He's the king of? Not the king of subjects. In fact, he has a create, some created beings called angels that will be subject to us. Oh, my goodness, man. If we could just read the word of God. Paul said, listen, don't you know that we'll judge the angels? We've been put on a, pla uh, 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 um, a platform that is the same as the Lord. We're not God, but we are of his nature. We are his children. And kings give birth to kings. Hallelujah. We are of the king kind. Man, that's awesome. We've been raised up and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Man, I wish I could get a shout in this Presbyterian church right now or something. I mean, have we forgotten that we are royalty? Amen. I mean, we ought to be excited about the fact that unless you just don't know who you are. I want to reveal who you are then. Look at this in Psalms 145, verse uh, 13. It says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all ages. So listen, let everything be confirmed out of two or three witnesses. We see here just in these two scriptures, and there's many more, that talk about his rulership, that he rules and reigns. And again, when I minister this, I'm not talking from a platform of, of, of I want to put you down. I'm talking about a, a father that says, I want to raise you up. Yeah. I want to raise you up. 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 Okay? So... Dr. Miles Monroe in his book, Kingdom Principles, said this, one way to put it is to say that king, that king relates to dominion while Lord relates to domain. The word dominion refers to the king's authority, his power. The word domain refers to territory, the property, the geographical area over which his uh, authority extends. A king exercises authority, dominion over a specific geographical area, area, domain, and within that area, his authority is absolute. That means he has the final say. Ecclesiastes says where the word of the king is, there's power. As Lord, a king literally and legally owns everything in his domain. Wow. Now, again, when we start talking ownership, you know, that can cause us to say, nobody owns me. But the reality is, you owned. You either owned by the devil or owned by God. One or the other. And you want to be owned by God because God will actually reveal you. You'll actually have a life if you allow him to be the one who's supreme in authority over your life. That's what Lord means. Lord is not a religious word. It literally means supreme in authority. See, most of us have looked at Jesus as a religious figure. We've put him up with Muhammad, with Buddha, with Confucius. I mean, he's just like another guy has these things. And again, when I say that, people say, no, no, really, he's the son of God. Well, is he? Because the reality is most of us love Savior Jesus, but not Lord Jesus. 
What do I mean by that? Savior is what Jesus did. Lord is who he is. We all love Savior Jesus. What did Savior Jesus do? He died on the cross, poured out his blood, shed his blood for us. We asked God to forgive us of all our sin, our wrongdoing. We know we were bad. We're like, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, right? But as far as living for him, that's a whole nother ballgame. We really have these altar experiences if we don't watch out when we come down and cry, oh, yes, Lord Jesus, yeah, it was that way. Oh, I did you wrong. I was wrong. Jesus, I was wrong. Oh, Lord, forgive me. My life's a mess. It's terrible. It's horrible. It's bad. Oh, I'm so bad, sad that I'm so sad. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I got caught. <laughs> forgive me, Jesus, and I forgive you. Now I need you to live for me. Now listen, remember I came and asked you to come to my heart and save me. I'm going to do my own stuff. Just remember me when I die. How could a person come down to the altar, ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins, and then never show up again? Amen. Well, you're not going to walk in the fullness if you don't do that. If you don't realize my life is not my own. My life is not my own, and you I belong. I give myself, I give myself. Right? We got to give ourselves to the Lord. We got to say, listen, you gave everything for me, I give everything back. Because in you, I actually have life. Outside of you, I don't have anything. And outside of you, I only have a hope, a prayer, or nothing. I mean, I'm dependent on somebody else who actually knows you. Oh, I'm preaching. Now, let's look at man in his original creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Man, this is powerful stuff. Most of the time, we don't even get to Genesis 1 because we're too busy starting in Genesis 3 where man fell. And all we're doing is talking about how pathetic we are, how sorry we are, how no good we are, how we need a Savior, how we no good. We never going to amount to nothing. We trash. We sorry trash. And Jesus delivered us. Oh, he brought us out. Man, I was down, beat down, broke down. But God came and saved me. He came and delivered me. He came and done this. And they never find out who we were once we got born again. Because there was an original reason why God made man in the first place, and it's right here in the first chapter of the book of beginnings. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them, that's male and female, let them have dominion. God wanted us to rule and reign. Every one of us, male and female, he wanted us to rule and reign. Now notice, we are to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We were never to have dominion over each other. Never. This is why we struggle in elections. Voting for people's tough. Because the reality is we really don't want someone over us. And we never were, all, we're never supposed to have anyone over us. We were only supposed to have God. God was to be the supreme authority, and we would work together. We were in a family. We were uh, related because we were of the king kind. We were of God's uh, fellowship. He had an assignment for you, had an assignment for me. I'm not jealous of you. You're not jealous of me. We're walking in the love nature of God. We're all kings. We can have anything that God wants us to have. We are all equal in dad's house. We all have access to whatever dad has. I mean, my gosh, all creation was for us. Amen. See, Adam didn't fall from heaven. He fell from dominion when he ate the fruit. And when he ate the fruit, then he gave his dominion away. He gave this authority, absolute authority, over the territory he was governing. 
Well, who did he give it to? Luke chapter 4, verses 5 to 7 tells us who he gives it to. And it says this, and Jesus was led up and showed him, the devil led up Jesus, and he, and he, that's the devil, led Jesus up and showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. What did he show him? He didn't show him religions. This book is not a religious book. It's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. He showed him all. Even the devil knows it's about a kingdom. This is why he gets the world stuck in religion, because they keep searching for something they can't never find. He said, the devil said to Jesus, I will give, which means he must have it in his possession. I will give you all this domain, all this territory where you can have the final say. <laughs> and it's glory, for it has been handed over to me. Where did the devil get it? He got it from Adam in the garden. He goes on and says, and I give it to whomever I wish, meaning the devil did allow other men to operate his kingdom as long as they bowed to him. Nebuchadnezzar bowed to him. Come on, there's plenty of kings that bowed down to him. Now, God showed up in Nebuchadnezzar's life, but we have no account that Nebuchadnezzar made, Jesus, made God his God, and he denounced the rest of them. None. None. No account that Pharaoh, that, that, brought, that had a dream and Joseph ended up getting elevated to power, no indication he ever became a follower of the God of Joseph. None. None at all. And he has used people, uh, the devil has used people, kept people in power to oppress, to destroy, to keep people down. He's been doing this and, and, and been using these domains his whole life, his whole existence since he got access to this power. Verse 7 says, therefore, if you'll worship before me, it shall be yours. One translation says, if you'll just bow down. Now, it's not like the devil hasn't wanted power. If you read the Isaiah account, it said, he said, I'll lift my throne above the most high. See, God created this being, gave him some rulership actually in the earth. And he, in what he was doing for God, decided, I want to do what God, I want to be God. And so he went up to heaven to try to take it over. But Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Can I get an amen? So in God's realm, he said, you rebel against my kingdom, I cast you out. So when he tells Adam, I'm putting you in the garden, I want you to keep it, take care of it, multiply, subdue it. Keep it means, listen, something show up, get rid of it. Right. He had the dominion, the authority to look at the snake and say, my daddy said, don't eat this fruit. You are a liar. Get out of the garden. But instead of doing what dad did in heaven, the son Adam ate the fruit. How do we know this Bible is about a king and his kingdom and his royal offspring? If you go through the scripture, you'll see that's all it is. And after this fall of man, he goes down from Adam to Eve to the serpent, and he says to the serpent, I'm going to bring my seed into the earth, and he's going to crush your head. You'll bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Why does God the Father, if he's in control, have to send his son? Why couldn't he say, don't take that, you know? Why couldn't he? We do this with our own kids. You got your kids, you get them something, all of a sudden they see a friend, they start to give their stuff. You're like, give me that, boy. Give that back to you. you. You can't have that. As a parent, you start taking stuff away and keeping it. God didn't come down and go, devil, you can't have that. That's his. Oh. No, because God, he's a king, and when he speaks, he said, I'm giving this to man. So if a man lost it, it takes a man to get it back. 
but it can't just be any man. It must be the Son of God wrapped in flesh. Just why Jesus had to come as a man in order to take back and, and get back what the devil had taken from or stolen from Adam. So from there, we know we pick up this guy named Abram who God changed his name to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. From there, Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob wrestles with the Lord, and his name's Israel. And then you know that nation's in the earth still today? Israel's a nation. Out of that, kings end up showing up. And he ended up having some king. He ended up having to put a king in power because in 1 Samuel chapter 8, they were complaining, the whole nation of Israel. God's been taking care of them, went, took them into the promised land, conquered things through, with, uh, through them and with them and for them. And they're going to reject him because they can't see him. So they go to Samuel and say, we want a king like the other nations. We want to see ours. Right. And the Lord tells to Samuel in the eighth chapter, he said, give them what they want. They've not rejected you, but they've rejected me as king. Right. Psalms 47 says he's the king of all the earth. Then you get over in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says this. It says, a child will be born, a son will be given. Who is that? What's his name? What's his name? Notice, a child will be born, a son will be given. A son isn't born because the son always existed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. So the Son of God's always existed. That's why I can't be born, because he's eternal. But he can get birth through a skin suit called a child. It says the child will be born, a son will be given, and the government shall rest on his shoulders. Does not say religion. Jesus did not come to bring a religion. He came to reestablish the connection of the kingdom of God back to humanity. Hallelujah. He said the government will rest on his shoulders, and he'll be called eternal father, prince of peace. It goes on, and then it says this, there'll be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. He will establish this on the throne of David. Thrones are in kingdoms, not in religions. And as we get on in, Jesus starts to show up and is prophesied that he would come. And all of a sudden, uh, the, um, the wise men from the east come seeking a king, not a religious figure. Right. John the Baptist begins to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus starts preaching, he says this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent means change your thinking. Side with my party. For the government of God is in manifestation. Now, this is tough for us in the United States. Why? Because we're in a republic, right? And there's a de democratic process to us. We pick our leaders. We vote our leaders in. We can, you know, hate them and, uh, or love them one way. We have that prerogative. But with the kingdom of God, you don't vote Jesus in. You can't vote him out. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank God we can't vote him out. He's such, he's such a good God. Are you with me? So Jesus comes, and now all he does, if you read the four gospels, all he does is preach about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like this, and the kingdom of heaven is like that. The kingdom is this, and the kingdom is that. Repent is not even a religious word. It literally, again, for the sake of redundancy, means change your thinking. We have to change our thinking because we've been under a tyrant. The devil, he is a tyrannical ruler. See, the Bible says that when we confess Christ, we were transferred from the domain or the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. When do we get into that kingdom? When we die and go to heaven? No, the minute you're born again. Yeah. 
I crossed out of the spiritual kingdom of darkness and got into the, king, the spiritual kingdom of light. And that kingdom's alive in me. Not only is it alive in me, but I become a child of that kingdom. I become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old passed away. Behold, all things become new because the word Christ is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah, which literally means the anointing and his anointed one. What's significant about that? That's how they put the anointing on a man when they were kings. So what it means literally is this is the anointed one who will establish his kingdom and it has no end. And all of Israel was looking for the king who would come. They were not looking for a savior in the sense of one who would die for their sins as a suffering servant. They were looking for the guy who's going to sit on that throne and cause them to come to power and never be overtaken. The same guy that actually died for him is the same guy that will return and will sit on that seat and will rule from Jerusalem. It will happen. I was there when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and every time he looked up to Jerusalem when he was praying that prayer, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass, but not my will, your will be done. And when he looked at Jerusalem, he was staring at a gate. That gate's called the mercy gate. He had mercy on us. That's why I went to the cross. The second name for that gate is the triumphant gate or the victory gate, right? Because guess what? He knew I'm going to get victory, victory over sin, victory over death. I'm going to conquer death, hell, and the grave. I'll get the keys and I'll have redemption for man. But it also means the gold gate. And that means when he returns the second time, he's going to walk through that gate. And when he returns the second time, he ain't leaving. He's never to go again. He will be physically present, putting in his administration that will have a global impact. Now, listen, when Jesus starts putting sanctions on nations, it's rough. This ain't about holding money from a nation. Jesus would do stuff like this. No rain over there. Come on now. This ain't a religious book. God came down to Elijah and says, listen, my people are disobeying me. We got a king that don't run after me. He's following God's. And I said through my prophet Moses that if they obey me, they'd be blessed coming in and blessed going out. They'd be the head, not the tail. They would always prosper. I said that. But I also told them if they don't do what I say, then they'll be cursed. Yeah. Now, I can't help that they chose to not obey, but I'm telling you right now, I am not going to bless that land at this point, so I need you to enact one of my policies. I'm putting a sanction against Israel. Yeah. What is that? Hold the rain, son. And for three and a half years, Elijah prayed fervently and kept that policy of God's kingdom sanction on the land of Israel, and no rain came and famine hit the land. When King Jesus shows up, he can save all the fish in this sea. You move and go to another one because that nation won't ever get another fish. He could walk through that nation in sanctions and say, see these trees? You're going to die. Listen, all the miracles that Jesus did in the four gospels is in the dominion that Adam lost. Dominion over the fish. He multiplied, multiplied loaves and fish. He told Peter, go fishing, man. That's the dominion Adam had. That's the dominion we have. He speak to a tree that's of the earth. Curse it, it died. He speak to winds and waves. Why? Because they're part of the earth. 
This isn't, the supernatural is just based upon the position of dominion and having authority over territory. Can I get an amen? So we were given dominion in the original uh, intent of God that was to govern, to rule, to control things, not against each other, but against our own life and our assignment of what we're called to do. This is why it's so important for you to be born again. You want God to purchase your territory. In Genesis 2, it says, out of the dust of the earth, he formed man. He breathed into him the nos in his nostrils the breath of life. He became a living being. Which, honestly, guys, your suit is just dirt. I'm just looking at a bunch of dirt on the outside. Now, you're not dirty people, but our skin suit is that. Which that means you're part of the earth that God wants to purchase back. I don't know anybody in this room. Very few people have the piece of property that if the, uh, uh, the president of our nation or if a, a president of another nation came and says, listen, I want to purchase your land <laughs> and I'm going to give you money for it right now, then anything, any resource that comes out of it, Whatever I build on it, you'll get a return on it. You'll never have to want again. <sighs> oh, my goodness now. Most of the time, we're like, no, I'm just keep my own land. And you won't all get all the resources out of it. And the Lord's like, I want you because there's resources in you that you can't get out yourself. But you'll benefit from all the resources if you'll let me have you. Amen. How do we know he wants to buy us back? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you, uh, whom you have from God and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. I thank he, God he paid for me. 1 Corinthians 7, 23, you were bought with a price. Uh, do not become slaves of men. I do not understand how a person could run to Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, but yet not want to yield to him for their whole life. He did not say, come to Jesus as Savior, and then when you die, you'll go to heaven. It does not say that. It says, all who call on the name of the Lord, supreme in authority, will be saved. So you got to acknowledge, I'm laying my life down. My life is your life. Whatever you say. Hallelujah. Amen. How many got oil on your property right now? Oil. Anybody got oil on your property? Anybody? Okay. I'm talking naturally speaking. I'm not talking too coarse. Yeah, right. Okay, listen. Here's the thing. What if somebody came and says, man, you got oil up underneath here? What would you do about that? Would you just start getting a shovel and start digging? No, you're going to need to recruit someone who can go drill a well and pull that. Why do we want to get outside in a shovel and begin to try to get to a depth that we'll never get to to pull a resource that we'll never be able to tap into even though it's there? But God says, if you'll let me have you, I'll pull resources to the surface. I'll change your whole life. I'll remodel you. I'll make you the head and not the tail. I'll switch you around. And you don't have to pay a dime for it. I paid it all. Yeah, that's what he does. Look what he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, because you need to understand this. People can't handle this statement, but I'm going to say it to you anyway. When Jesus died for you, it was not just because he loved you. It's because the Father loved you, and it wasn't free. 
Well, Jesus freely died for me. No, he did not. Jesus, it cost Jesus something. In reality, for you to be in the household of God, a financial transaction had to take place. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says this, for, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. We call that currency. Gold and silver. You know gold right now, an ounce is about $1,400. Somewhere around that, for an ounce of gold. In fact, let me give you this quick testimony, okay? Uh, I have a pastor friend of mine that uh, had a situation with his church, had a group of people just leave, okay? And so, you know, obviously, you know, they just decided that they're done and they're going to go somewhere else. Why? Because he wants to see people born again, and they say, you do too many outreaches, so they left. Basically, they just want to come to church, have their flesh stroked, you know, and that's it. But this ain't a social club. He wants to see people's lives changed. So, you know, got in a situation where now all of a sudden a group of people left. It was actually giving, and now the giving's not there. And, you know, the mortgage came around. The mortgage left. There's no provision. The mortgage came around again. The mortgage left. There's still no provision. Yet all the while he's saying, Lord, I have sown seed. I have put seed in the ground. I believe you. I'm believing for you. You're, you do what you said you'd do. I believe you at your word. And man, when they looked at the amount and they looked what they owe, they began to laugh, rejoice, and, and call it in and say it, call those things that be not as though they were. Then one night he gets a call. One afternoon gets a call from a 90-year-old lady in his church. He said, Pastor, can you come over to the house? I want to meet with you. He said, okay. So he comes over to the house to meet with us nice. She goes, Pastor, five years ago, you, um, you did the funeral for my husband. He said, yeah, yeah, I did. She said, you know, you've been so good to me, and the word's been so good. We appreciate you so much. She goes, you know, my, um, um, my, my husband had a couple boxes up underneath the bed. I, I just want you to have them. And pulled out two VHS cassette tapes, boxes. VHS cassette tape boxes, you know, and she was holding them in her hand, you know, or had them over there and he could look over and see and it said something about war. He's like, man, what is this like documentaries of war or something? I'm gonna get a couple of, I mean, do you even have VCR anymore, right? You know, so on the outside, I said on the outside, everything says you don't have, I'm at a 90 year old lady and she's gonna give me two VHS tapes because I preached her husband's funeral. He said when he went and grabbed it, she said, now, my husband was a collector of gold, coins. And, you know, there's a whole bunch in there, and he opened it up, and there were both boxes filled with gold coins. She said, now, I don't know how much they're worth. Honestly, I don't want to know. I want you to have them for the church. Do you want to know how much they were? Anybody want to know? $70,000. Not only did he have enough to catch up the mortgage, he has enough to redo his youth room now because our God is exceedingly abundantly far beyond. You have no idea the resources that God has on territory. And here's the thing, because God owned the 90-year-old lady, he could say, hey, at this address, whatever her name is, he said, I need you to transfer that to my territory over here. And I need that transfer to take place. 
And don't you know this, that if an old lady in the Bible who had two mites gave more than rich people, this woman who gave all of her gold to the church will not lose her reward. <laughs> Hallelujah. My point is, is that you want God to own you because he didn't purchase you with silver and gold. It says this in 19, he purchased you with the precious blood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. What will take place if you operate in the domain principle? This is what happens. When you get born again, you say, here, Lord, you have title deed to my life. Now that you have title deed to my life, I'm awaiting instruction. You come and clean. I got a bunch of junk up on here. He said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. You got asbestos, I'll get it cleaned out and I'll pay for it. You got somebody that made you just a dumping ground and thought you were the city dump, don't worry about it. I'll clean all that out. I'll reach down there. I'll get rid of that soil that's contaminated. I'll pull all that out and I'll replace it with fresh dirt. Yeah, he's called you a swampland. That's okay. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to bring things in to bring you, bring you up. People looked at you like, I don't want nothing to do. But next thing you know, you start talking different. You start acting different. You start walking different. And all of a sudden say, man, there's something attractive about them. I was down in Central Florida, and there was a man by the name of Walt Disney who was in California, started a little thing called Disneyland, and realized my vision's not big enough. I need to go and have a Disney world. So he comes over to Florida. He establishes it, but then he does something really sneaky. He says, listen, if they know who I am buying land, so he incorporated these different types of of businesses that would buy a little land here and a little land here and a little land here and a little land here so he could get them at the prices they were actually worth, which was just swamp land. And he accumulated thousands of acres because he had a dream. He says, what people see is worthless, I see is value. And then he began to develop that land. And now all of a sudden when Central, Amer- Central Florida was nothing, nobody cared, the whole globe comes to Orlando for a mouse. <laughs> Rightly put, it is the magic kingdom. But I don't live in a fantasy kingdom. I live in a real kingdom where there's a real king, where there's real laws, where there's real principles, where there's real life, where there's real uh, forgiveness, where there's real restoration, where there's real dominion, where there's real power. Hallelujah. Man, when I realized he gave me what Adam lost, all I got to do is say, Lord, what do you want me to say about that hurricane coming? That's all I need to know. What do you say about it? Lord, what do you say about this right here? Because the minute he tells me, then I know I'm authorized because right now, nobody can take this territory. In essence, when sickness tries to show up, I tell the devil I'm a king. I have a legal document that says I'm healed by the blood of Jesus. You have no right to this territory. You can't dump cancer here. You can't dump measles here. You can't dump uh, tuberculosis here. You can't dump nothing here because I've cl- that, he's cleaned me up from all that. Hallelujah. He's the healer. Amen. When the devil tries to attack my mind and try to oppress me, I'm like, you have no right here. I've got dominion over this domain now. And what Jesus says about me, that's what it is. I'm no broke down, no good, sorry, nothing. I am a child of God, a child of the king. I've been raised up, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'll tell him, I'll say, it looks like I'm down, but know this, I'm not. Because just a little while longer, you're going to look bad. And I've learned this scripturally. If you ever hear him talk, whatever he says, that's what you do. 
What do I mean by that? David comes down, realizing there's a giant. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defied the army of God? So he walks down, and what happens? The enemy will talk. Am I a dog? Got me a little stick? That's why he'll make you feel small like you're nobody, insignificant, right? That's what he does. And he'll talk to you about you. So if he's telling you insignificant, dog, that must mean you're a champion because he's a liar, and you're the opposite of what he says. Then he says this, I'm going to kill you and make you make the birds of the sky eat your flesh. So David's like, ah, oh, so I'm winning for sure. So I'm going to have to kill him. I can't capture him. <laughs> Amen. But then he says this, but David had this revelation. God is exceedingly abundantly far beyond what we can think or imagine. If the devil can imagine just killing me, then God is bigger than the devil. So not only can I kill you, but I can kill everybody behind you as well. No, this is what's going to happen. You came at me with a sword and a spear, but I come with you in the name of the Lord. I'm going to cut your head off, leave your carcass for the birds, and I'm going to kill everybody else behind. And he did. And he did. Because this is how kings operate. Kings operate because we have dominion. We have rulership. We control our circumstances. We co-labor with Christ. Hallelujah. And when we co-labor with Christ, we make it happen. Message Bible, last scripture says this. Same one, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, but in the Message Bible, it says it this way. It costs God plenty to get you out of the dead-end, empty-headed life you, were, you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb. Today, the Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. Don't take my word for it. Study the scripture for yourself. Because ultimately, in the end, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus is going to sit on the throne. He sits on the throne, and he is the judge of the living and the dead. He'll judge us according to our works in Christ, at the judgment seat of Christ, and then he'll judge those who never kneeled to him, in essence, acknowledged him as Lord, and then they will pay the price of their rebellion. And he'll show them, you wanted this. See, people say, how could a loving God throw anyone in hell? He does not. The Bible does not say he throws them in hell. It says he loves them so much he lets them choose. Joshua said, today I set before you life and death. Choose life. It's really up to us. We have to choose to believe that Jesus died on the cross and on the third day by the power of the Holy Ghost was raised from the dead. He poured out his blood to buy your territory so he could make you a mansion. I'm not talking a physical, you are the mansion. You are that which people will be drawn to when you let God remodel your life. <sighs> when you renew your mind, according to Scripture, people all over the world come. Again, I said this in our offering. What caused a man from Trinidad, Tobago, get attracted to my land and want to invest in it? It's because God did a work in me. God did a work in me. God did a work in me. And he saw the work. And he sees the heart. And he sees God's voice in the vision of igniting the city, impacting the nation, influencing the world. He sees the, the voice of God in buying this whole mall to possess it, to serve our community. He sees the passion and the generosity 
that we have and I've become attractive to the things of God and it draws people God wants you to make that same attraction one man sat on a bus when Smith Wigglesworth was alive and stood up and says your mere presence convicts me of my sin can you shine so well be so bright allow God to do a work in you that even those that aren't in the kingdom realize I should have what you have if you're a child of God you can be that he's not here just to forgive you he's here to completely rebuild your life now while you're on the earth not later but now God has given you the power to pull heaven's realm into the earth realm by obeying the King of Kings and operating in the authority he's given you to have dominion right here.